Welcome to I Swear on My Mother's Grave. My name is Dana Black, and in 2016, I lost my mom. And now I'm talking to other people who have also lost their moms. And I don't just mean in death, because there are so many ways you can lose a mother. And we're going to get into it. So let's talk about our moms. Has your mom suspected that you've been having sex just by looking at your collarbone? No? Yeah, me neither. But today's guest mom has. In this episode, we're going to go to Houston, Texas, to a small apartment where three kids are being raised by their immigrant parents from Sierra Leone. We're going to talk about how hard it is to straddle two cultures when you're growing up. We're going to talk about her mom's amazing jollof rice, We're going to talk about how her mom taught her how to shave her legs and keep her privates clean. We're going to talk about hating our moms because sometimes, well, you just don't like your parents. And we're going to talk about how she wished she knew her mom more, the mom before she was born. Don't we all? I just wanted to warn you that this guest occasionally enjoys a swear word or two or eight. So put your kids to bed, put your headphones in, do whatever you need to do and buckle in. I also wanted to give you a little flavor of this guest before we start. I reached out to her via email as I was working on this cutting with my editor and I said, hey, is it okay if we keep in all the references that you make to drinking and and weed? And she replied, yes. Please use all those references in regards to my drinking and weed intake. I'm turning 40 this year. I'm grown AF. And as Tabitha Brown said, that's my business. This is Lucy Sandy. I'm nervous. Yes, I've talked about her, but like this is going to be different and it's going to be interesting. I did not drink. I didn't like take a hit of a pen or anything. I'm like just straight up. Like, and I almost, I was like, I need like, I need a hit of like vape or something. Come on. And then I was like, no. And then I was thinking of mommy because I'm sure she's watching. And I'm like, fine, this first time around, I'll be (laughs) fucking sober for this. I'm just like for nerves, but it's like, no, bitch. Right. You need to feel this. Yes, you need to feel it. Be in it. So we grew up in Houston. It was five of us. Uh, My mom, dad, my sister, her name is Anne Marie, me, and then my brother Justin. We call him Junior. And we grew up in an apartment complex. So you got one door, two bedroom, and like my dad made the den area into my brother's room. So my parents had a room, and then my sister and I had a room. It was like literally across the, the hall. There was mm-hmm. like a tiny hall. My <laughs> my mom So like, privacy, privacy. No privacy. No privacy. So None. like if everybody's in the house and like my dad just took a shower, like one bathroom. So my dad took a shower. He's leaving, going to the room to change. My mom gets in the shower. Then she like comes into my, our room. If we're doing stuff or whatever, she's changing. Or like if she's mm. in the bathroom and she needs something, she'll call me. Do you remember the first time you saw her naked? That's a great question. Um, Yeah, I feel like she was always naked. Like we would like, when she would moisturize, she would always like be in my room or in her room. And... Mm. She would call me and I would always rub her back, like moisturize her back. So she worked um, as a mail clerk in the basement of a hospital in Houston called Bentob Hospital. And so she prayed every morning. My mom would pray every morning before she goes to work. Every morning. Where did she do it? If you had such as you're saying you had a small place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So my parents, so I grew up in a household where both parents worked. 
blue-collar workers. My dad worked at a warehouse, Ruska Instruments. So as we got older, my mom would always get ride to work or she would take the bus to work. My dad didn't take her to work just because of the distance and stuff. So she always had a friend pick her up to go to work and then take the bus home. My mom never drove. She never learned how to drive. She never learned how to drive. And that's another story. That's like my dad. My dad was like, why do you need to learn how to drive when you have me and like you have three kids? And then as we got older, I was like, bitch, now I want to go out. You need to go to the grocery store. And now this is what happens. You listen to daddy all these years. Now you can't drive. And now I'm trying to teach you how to drive. And you're crazy. And I can't, I can't drive. I can't teach you how to drive. Anyway, she, they would pretty much leave around the same time. She'd wake up at like 4.30 in the morning. And then go in the closet in her room and like open up this Psalms book and start reading it. And my dad was like, look, we all get up around the house. And of course I'm saying it in this way, but like they spoke Creole in the house, a different language. Mm -hmm. But basically it got to the point where she ended up switching in our room. And I was like, why are you in our room? And basically my dad was like, dude, I have to wake up at five. You're waking up at 4.30 to pray. I need like 30 minutes. So like, if you're going to do that and like blessings on that, you got to take that somewhere else. So she would come in our room. At 4.30 in the morning. And like go in the closet and she would just read for a little bit and then she would get ready to go to work. Could you hear her? Um, Sometimes, I don't know if I would hear her, but sometimes I always could see her read it. I always remember that. So they are both immigrants mm-hmm. from Sierra Leone? They got married in Sierra Leone. Okay. And when they got married, from what I, my understanding is that they did not have a honeymoon. My dad was like, hey, I don't want to live here. I want to go to America and I want to take you. So and what year was that? Um, I would say mid-70s. And so I think my dad came here first to New York established himself there for a little while, made a little bit of money, brought her here. And then they moved to D.C. So, like, in the 70s, if you're any immigrant, like, this country was, like, the land of milk and honey. Everybody was coming. Everybody was coming. So if you're African or, I would assume, Middle Eastern or whatever, it's, like, for school. You know what I mean? Mm. But Mm -hmm. they didn't come here for that. They just came And they just established themselves here. So they established, there was a huge African community in D.C., like in the East Coast area, huge African community. And then in the late 70s, early 80s, with all that oil and everything in in Texas, a lot of people migrated down. So like in Texas, like there's a huge West African community, Houston, Dallas, like major. So my dad came first. After they got married. Did he have family here? Did he have family or friends yeah, already think, in the States? Yeah, I think it was like his older brother or something like that. They, they like established in New York. My dad was like one of, I think, eight. And my mom was like the eldest of like eight or seven. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, my dad's in a family of eight. But my mom was pretty much just her and her sister who okay. also died. Yeah. But, yeah. It's over by Ghana. Yeah, but Sierra Leone doesn't get a lot of shout outs, you know, and that's that's yeah. like a little bit of a problem, you know, like what's people, that about when people say <laughs> when people think West Africa, they always think Nigeria. And that's where I get a little nationalistic. And I'm like, no, big up to Salon. Like Sierra Leone is an amazing country. <laughs> it's not just Nigeria. Salon is like this small little but I mean, the capital is Freetown. Freetown, literally, it's free slaves that came back. They actually, and I don't even know that history, which is, that's another deep thing. Like they came back to 
Sierra Leone, and they named that city Freetown. And so when I say Creole, people always are like, oh, you can speak like French and stuff like that, like New Orleans. And it's like pigeon, you know, I guess, broken English. So like I can sometimes understand people from Nigeria that have like a broken English pigeon Hmm. or like from Liberia. Did your parents move for opportunity? Or- they moved for just opportunity. And my dad was just like a restless dude and was like, he had a, he had a hot chick and he was like, let's get the hell out of here, I'm sure. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I don't know about all this, but fine. So Yeah, what is she, did she have to be convinced? Did your mom? You know, my mom is a very, you know, we say in our, like when we talk about her, she's deep. She's very complicated. I think my mom had a lot of stories. And I think mm. being the eldest daughter... There's still things about her I don't know. Like what? Like, like what is there? Is there a mystery around something? Like how was she when she was young? Did you date? Mm. Like I was that child that was trying to get into all that kind of shit. I would find out other stories. Like I just like she's deep. Like there was a lot of things there that I'm sure she just kind of kept to herself. Because I feel like when she came here, it was just about like this is my family. I'm providing it's not about me anymore. It's about them. And almost to a point, I probably will have to deal with it later. It's almost like towards the end of like almost too much of a martyr, you know? And it's like, it just, so again, the things I missed out. So like, you know, me being 30, I feel like if she was alive at 30, like we were just, when she was dying, even though she was sick, I think we were just getting that place where we were beyond mother and daughter, I think we could have gotten mm. that level where we could talk really as women. And we started to, because I was just that kind of child. I am had the biggest mouth. I would say crazy shit. I was a rebel. You know, me and her always were fighting. Mm. Oh my goodness. I'm like, me and her were always getting into it. Like, I was always like lying, partying. Like, she always had like a tight leash on me, but yet like, you know, she was always coming to see my shows here. She'd love to like come visit us at school. Because she can just, like, get out of the house. You know, we were just, like, blue car. Mm-hmm. We didn't have money, you know? So it was, like, come see my play. Or, like, dropping us off at college was an excuse for her. Because, you know, they didn't get the chance to, like, save up to travel. They mm. still live in an apartment complex. They stayed in that house as you went off to college? Oh, my God, girl. Like, in my lifetime, we moved in the same apartment complex, just different buildings. But they stayed mm. in the same spot. Everybody in the African community were like, damn, y'all still live at that same? We were the only, one of the only that still live in an apartment. Like all of our aunties and uncles like got to a place in life where they had houses and stuff. But I think mm. my parents is, which as I'm getting older, I get it. It's like, damn, like it's almost like they sacrificed too much. They were like, our lives don't matter anymore. It's just about our kids. And like one that just puts a lot of pressure on your kids you know, and then also you just see mm-hmm. them, like, you see a lot of memories of them, like, d- they're just working, you know? Like, some of the questions you were asking me about, you know, what did your... you do together? Yeah, yeah and I'm memories like, do together. Like, what the f- like? <laughs> you must have done something. <laughs> a regular Saturday was like, daddy stepped out, which means he went to go get bread, was fixing mm-hmm. the car, went to <laughs> the park. By midday, I'm sure he probably was somewhere with my uncle's. Or we were getting ready for a party. But for us at the house, it's like, you're cleaning. Mm. She's already started prepping food for if it was a party that weekend. Because Africans, we're always partying. Somebody died. Somebody is born. Somebody graduated. Somebody just came up from Africa. There's always a party. Were you prepping with her? Were you helping her? Yeah. But like something. (laughs) Yeah. So I do have memories. But like at first, it's like a pressure of like, you know, I don't remember my mom like reading me stories as a kid. 
Hmm. Like my mom, I don't remember my mom doing it. It doesn't mean that she was, yeah. was heartless, but I don't remember cuddling with my mom. I don't remember my friends coming over, my mom having play dates. It's like, nah, mm. dude. Or like my mom baking. My mom didn't fucking mm. bake. She cooked. Mine she didn't either. Yeah. yeah. What was the favorite dish she made? My favorite dish that my mom would make is, it's called fufu. And traditionally it's made with like cassava root. And you can get it at the like international store, African food store, where it's already patted down and frozen. But because we were American kids, we were like, this is gross. So, because it's like this big doughy thing. So mm. she's like, okay, you're going to still eat African food. So she would make it out of tortilla flour. So literally, it's just a heated pot pouring tortilla flour in it and like mixing it with water until it just becomes a big dough. And we would mm. eat that. And then the stew would be like a plasas, which is a um, big thing of spinach with like lima beans, meat and stuff like that. And you'd eat it with your hands. Most of African food that I grew up with was based on rice. And then like there was a thick stew on top. It was so good. And like it was always better like two or three days afterwards. So she would make it and she would always get annoyed because I would like eat it, but then I would really get into it two or three days because it's just always mm. sweeter. Mm. So she would really mm. get with like mm. African food. So like plasas and then like... Jell-O-F rice. She made fucking fire jell-O-F rice. Jell-O-F rice was really good. Do you cook? I am a good cook and I could cook. But things like African food or just cooking, cooking, it's like, I don't want to be cooking and I'm talking to a guy and like, that just mm. becomes a thing where he kind of lingers around. For the food? Yeah. And it's like, no, I can't do that. Is that what your mom did with your dad? What do you mean? Was your mom the cook that- Oh, yeah. And, that, and your dad- Oh, Loved that about her. Oh, my dad did not eat anybody else's food <laughs> but my mom's food. Nobody else's food. But you're saying you're resistant yeah. to almost being someone who's beholden. Yeah. It's just issues. I mean, I don't know. My therapist and I will will figure it out. We never went to restaurants with my family. Like Fridays, we'd get pizza or like Popeyes. Mm. That was like one of the weekdays. Fridays were like days where like, you know, you can eat like American food and stuff like that. But like my dad, he only ate things that my mom made. If you sat him at a restaurant and gave him a menu, he he wouldn't know how to order. Even if she's like, look, I'm tired. I don't want to like, we're going to kind of get Popeye's or something. My mom would still have to kind of make it for him and prep it and put some just. Yeah. I mean, even like when we would go to African parties and stuff, my dad would not eat any other woman's food. Like my mom would have to make his plate. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot in a way which I think gives you pressure. Even though you, as you get older, these people are not perfect, and there are things about her. There's totally times in my life I remember being embarrassed of them, mm. like why not, or like hating her, of course, because like she doesn't get it when I'm in high school. But mm. in the grand scheme of things, it's like a lot of pressure seeing that kind of whatever that ride or die love is, because it's mm-hmm. like that's that's a lot, dude. That's that's yes. like a lot to like both put up with or commit to. So yeah, yeah. I think for me, the same, same. My parents were married for 37 years and then they got divorced, but I thought they'd be together forever, you know, and they were perfect, I thought, right? Yeah. And and then uh, they're not. And so that influences my decision and my own journey now to be married to my boyfriend of nine years. Like I'm on a, do I want to get married? Do I believe yeah. in marriage? Right. It can just end, it can fail, it can right. He could turn on me. Yeah. Or I could turn on him mm-hmm. and you have to grow together and you have to. And again, my boyfriend is not my dad. I mean, eh, there's some similarities. Yeah. But yeah, I get that whole 
Yeah. And living up to the expectations. My mom was an amazing host and beautiful. Of course. Yeah. Fit. So my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like had it together, had it together. And I'm like, how do I, how do I live up to that? And then she also had all these other problems, right? And as you learn, as they go, they're not a monolith anymore. They're a real person. I don't know anything about your mom. How much time do we have? No. Um, (laughs) Sounds like you, like your mom had secrets. For sure. My mom was a biology teacher, so I talk a lot on these interviews about how my mom was the same, like showing me how you put a tampon in, like lifting her leg up, no privacy. I'm just saying very open about anything. Like she'll talk about it. She'll share about the ovaries of a plant. or She's just very open about Mm -hmm. talking about things. But that same thing you're saying about tell me about you as a kid and give me all the skinny. She didn't not share, but she didn't really want to get into it. Right. 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 And- even as she got sicker, my mom had neuropathy, a bad back. She developed addiction issues of opioids and drinking. And then she lost the ability to walk. And she died like in her bed. She had a blood clot. But as she was dying, I was even like, let's talk about addiction. Let's get going. I'm ready to talk about it. And she would say like, I don't have an addiction problem as I was like pulling vodka bottles, you know, out of her yeah. bed. And then all these pills. And But she was this perfect, beautiful woman for so many years of her life, right? In quotes, mm-hmm. you know, because she wasn't perfect. What I'm saying is I, I get that sense of... I tried to get to know that woman sometimes, and I would get close, and then she'd be gone. Yeah. So, but I hated her a lot, and I was embarrassed by her. I talk about that a lot, like being ashamed right. of my mom being sick. Yeah. Are you the middle, the oldest? I'm the middle, which middle. makes sense. Okay. My, um, okay. <laughs> I'm an only child, so. Oh. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> Some days it's not. <laughs> Some days it's like, oh, it's just me having to deal with the death of my mother, right? Yeah, it's complicated yet, right? It's yeah. so complicated. My siblings are are all close, but I can say it in a very non-resentful way. I personally think that my mom favored my brother. Um, mm. And I think she also had a very just like different, interesting relationship with my sister. And her and I, I think she was just like, this bitch is wild and I'm going to mm. like hold on tight because this one, hell no, I will be damned. So there were moments of that battling, but yet at the same time, she didn't teach me about tampons, but she, when I got my period, she taught me about my period. We didn't have like major sex talks, but she was always Mm -hmm. just like, don't get pregnant because your daddy going to be kicking you out of the house. Not pressuring me about dating or who you should be dating or why aren't you dating things like that Mm. but then at the same time like really being comfortable being like this is your vagina these are your pubic hairs you have to keep this maintained and clean clean or like let me show you how to trim it and it was never connected to like men like it when women like I like my homegirl taught me how to shave my legs and when my mom found out she was like why the fuck are you shaving your legs you're you don't need to shave your legs you're black in your skin like or you're or you're or you're too young yeah she's like what the fuck are you doing that and so like I think that's where some of that hate came from because like I was coming in like they put us in a private school where I was going to school with one Irish and Italians nobody Mm. looked like me and they, you know, they don't have time to, like, break that kind of shit down, that, like, life sucks, racism. Like, you, you just have to deal, like, they're just like, yo, yeah, we're immigrants. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We trying to make this American dream. You just need to do what you got to do. And so, like, when you have one culture at school, you have another culture in the household. And at the same time, like, I, I talked to my sister about some type of a slave mentality that I feel like they had to the point of, like, almost 
too appreciative of this, like, hey, let's just be happy that we're doing what we're doing. Y'all are doing mm-hmm. what y'all got to do. Like, let's not ruffle too many feathers. So, like, when I was kind of having these conflicting or trying to, like, assimilate the culture that's out there in my, in my mom and dad's household, that's when she'd be like, uh, no, you're Black. Let me spell it out for you. I would vividly remember these kind of conversations. She's like, all those friends at school, they don't give, they don't give, pretty much they don't give a shit about you. Because at the end of the day, when shit pops off, you do not look like them and they do not have your back. We have your back. But if you don't want to have our back and you don't like this, fine. Awesome. So here's the deal. You can leave. You can leave the house. But here's the situation also. You can't leave with the clothes on your back because we bought that. You can't leave with this because we bought that. You can't do this because we got that. So like, if you want to, like, if you don't want to deal with this, because this is like, you are embarrassed, you you live in an apartment and all your friends live in houses. And like, my mom's like, what the fuck is this spending the night shit? That's weird. I don't like that. <laughs> She's like, you're not spending it on anybody's fucking house. She's like, I know your ass. If they really like you, if they're really your friends, why don't they come over here? Oh, interesting. They don't want to come over here. I want, like, just weird mm. shit. And I'm just like, like so hmm. upset because I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then as I get older, I'm like, it was a little intense, and like she probably could have done it in a different way. But it's like, oh, I get what she's trying, but she she doesn't know how to like. She's mm-hmm. literally trying to just like manage all this shit. Like I can't even imagine. No, well, and you hear those stories about immigrants, uh, some of the people from like the '60s, '70s, right, '80s coming yeah. in, and and that whole. We, we are here. Don't ruffle feathers. Blend in. Yeah, blend in. But you have to be better than what you're blending in. You have to be better. Work harder. Uh, you have to. And then this feeling now, which I hear these stories of friends of mine whose parents are immigrants saying, we're here first to that feeling of, hold on, there's new people coming. Yeah. Right. And hold on to what we have. Yep. Right. But I don't. Did your parents put you in that school because it was Catholic? It sounds like it then. I think one, it was Catholic. Private. And I think this is all like from my experience and what I say. So if I say like Africans, I'm saying Africans, not like I'm speaking for all Africans. But I would say that's when Africans are like, oh, we're just, you're giving them a better education. And it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. but really what that really is now that I think about it and like I would have these kind of conversations with my dad and like. Deeper and deeper, I would have them, my mom as well. But I'm curious of how she'd really feel about it because it's getting too touchy-feely. But it's also like, at the same time, what they're really trying to say is like, we need y'all to assimilate because like, we don't agree with how the world works, but like, we don't know what to do. And like, we just, mm-hmm. we're just We don't make the rules. We don't make the we rules. Make- but when we came this far, we can't have you being one of these other motherfuckers out here. Like, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's no like, wise. You don't really talk about that. You just have to do that. We didn't have time to have these, like, touchy-feeling conversations in the house, man. We were just trying to pay bills. Every two weeks, somebody got paid. There was no explanations. You just, things just needed to get done. And so, you know, when, you, when you're battling two different cultures, you know, like, it's, it's confusing when you're a kid. It's just very confusing, you know? Did they pressure you to work, the kids? Actually, no. It's all about school, 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 school. You don't need to be working. You need to just focus on school. It's all, it's just like school, school, education, mm-hmm. education, education. That's that immigrant mentality. It's the knowledge is power. So you have to learn. But sometimes there needs to be an explanation of like, you know, when you're a kid, you're, you're growing up in America. It's like you, you want to know why. But if culturally, you know, my parents didn't ask why. Mm-hmm. 
they just were told to do things and they just do it. So it's hard to like break that cycle of just, you know, you got to just do it. So yes, I went to grad school for acting. What did they feel about? How did they feel about that? You being an artist? Well, shout out to my sister because she took that first bullet before I came in. So, but that was not, they were like, she's an actor as well. No, she's an opera singer. Okay. Yeah. So she's the eldest and like, when she did work, she was working at like my uncle's pharmacy mm-hmm. or she was at the front desk at the dentist's office that like maybe my other uncle had a friend. You know, everything that's leaning into like health and medical or a lawyer mm-hmm. or an accountant. And, you know, my sister auditioned for something in high school and they were like, what is Triple Trio? And it turned out my sister can sing. And I think my dad had a really hard time with it. I think my mom low-key was supportive I think that's where she was very progressive, but I don't think my sister and I, when we talk about it, we didn't realize it when mm-hmm. we were kids, but she was very progressive in that way. Why do you say that your brother was her favorite? Because I just think in African culture, like the son is always a prince. It was her only son. And I think mm-hmm. African moms are harder on their daughters and they're always easier on their son. I think it's a traditional thing. I think my daddy really was hard on Junior because daddy and Junior are exactly alike. And so, you know, when your husband is (laughs) berating or challenging the next, your second love of your life, it's literally like that's her second, her second husband. Have you always used the phrase mommy and daddy? Mm -hmm. As an adult, you're using it now. And I, I've never, I've never heard that. Really? Oh, I feel weird. Well, no, I love it. That's why I'm going, oh, I want to, I want to talk about that. Or what, were those always their nicknames to you? Did it, were they mom and dad when you were young and they became mommy and daddy when you were older? Or they no, always stayed I always that way? talk about my mom and dad like that, like mom and okay. dad with other people. Mommy okay. and daddy, I would always call them mommy and daddy. Or like, you know, we give them, we create our own nicknames. Like towards the end of daddy's life, we used to call him the dude from like the Big Lebowski. Mm. We'd call him the dude. Yeah. Did we like, like white Russians? No, we just, oh. he was just like one of those kind of guys. So we were just like, I just called him the dude. I was like, the dude. I was like, the dude. Or like, um, yeah. this is weird. So mommy was always mommy, but like uh, traditionally, the I grew up, all of mommy's siblings would call her Miss, because my mom's name is Priscilla. So they would call her Miss Priscilla or an accent, Miss Priscilla. God, I just wish I knew her a little bit more as a woman. I still have kind of like a childlike thought of her because we were getting there when we were, you know, like I taught her how to text message. I've talked to her about guys, dating, mm. sex and things like that. Like I can never. What did you say? What did you talk about with sex? What did you guys? Well. What advice did she give you or what? Like she discovered I had sex before I even, t- like I never told her. She just looked at my collarbone one day and was like, did you have sex? It was really your weird. Your collar? Did you just say your collarbone? Yeah, it was really weird. She's, I'm sure she was a witch, too. Because I know oh, I know she, the spirits sure. are with her. Like, I'm sure she was connected to the gods. So I'm sure low-key somewhere she had some kind of witchery going down. Wow. But what does way. the collarbone have to do with sex? I have no idea. Sex? She scared the shit out of me. Mm. It doesn't matter. I'm going to Google that. I'm going to Google that. I lied, too. I was like... Witches. No. I'm going to Google witches, collarbone, <laughs> sex. I just think it's just like mom <laughs> shit. She put me on the pill, but we never, like, talked about it. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do to satisfy a guy. No, she just, right. there was always just, like, don't get pregnant and, like, don't lose your independence. It was her and, like, she's, like, the eldest of seven or eight siblings, and the majority of them were women. They're all beautiful. Their mother was beautiful. They were kind mm-hmm. of, like, 
both of my family, both sides of the family were names in the community here and in Salon. And I think my mom grew up with a mom that kind of treated her daughters like trophy girls, like they were all beautiful girls. And I think my mom deep down was like more than wanting to be more than just a pretty person and wanted to actually, you know, all these American things without like wanting to love somebody to love. Like, I don't think my dad, even though he came from a good family, he was kind of a rebel. And I think, I'm sure my grandmother wanted my dad, my mom to marry somebody else, but I think my mom really felt like, felt a weirdy thing for my dad. And Mm. cause I was like, there's no way daddy was your first. And she's like, I'm not going to talk about that. But for my, I think my sister, I think both of my parents were both experienced before they got with each other. But those are things like we didn't talk about. My mom would just be like, mm-hmm. you know, my, your dad and I really had a good time before we became parents. Right. Yeah. I want to know my mom, not just, she was a woman before me. Yeah. Right. It's so crazy to think. Yeah. There's just so many things. What's the first time she masturbated? Like, what was it like? Right. I don't or know. she ever I masturbated. Or just things. like my mom would fucking flip that I even said that word, but like still know what I'm talking about. Be like, don't even like, what are you talking about? And it's like, come on. You know, you know, but things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Looks at your collarbone and is like, have you been masturbating? <laughs> I would have been like, and... I would have been like, girl, for years. Yes. For years. Yeah. When you say, you know, in, in those last years as she was getting sick, you felt you got close to knowing her mm-hmm. better. Were you making a conscious effort? It sounds like you were always trying mm-hmm. to do it. Were you and all your siblings trying to get close to her in a different way because you knew time was short or was it just you? I wasn't doing it because of a timeline. I just think mm-hmm. I was in a place in my life I had just graduated and she couldn't come to my graduation because she got sick. I mean, she was getting sicker. And that's part of like some resentment or anger she really played it down how sick she was. I knew it was bad, but like one of the biggest regrets I have, one of the times when she was on chemo, chemo's so weird. Like they had these really clarity high moments, like when the whatever kicks in, like where my mom sounded like, or more of like my dad, when I, I could tell in and out, like there's almost like, oh my God, you sound like how you were 10 years ago. There's like this clarity of mm. like strength. They just sound like very healthy. And like, I, we just got in this argument and I, I, she's probably just like high off of the, you know what I mean? And she was just really trying to pressure me to coming home. She was like, you know, you should just come home. And I was like, I don't have time. Like I'm doing the arts, you know, I'm on my grind. And it was like one of those things where really she was like, I want you to come home. And she mm. didn't really want to say that, but she had her way of saying it. But like, I never really... I think, and maybe it's my selfishness and maybe it's my guilt. I don't really think I understood how sick she was. Like hospice means, like I didn't even understand any of that. And I just think mm-hmm. they were like, oh, she's in school. Let's not do And it's like, not nah, protecting dude, you, you trying you to protect do that. you. Yes. And mm-hmm. so me trying to get to know her, I think I was just in a place where I wanted to open up with things. And, you know, she knew about all my friends and things like that. Like we'd kiki about all that kind of stuff. And it was just getting more comfortable saying things or like her being like, Hey, you know, sometimes I don't, you know, feel, I feel like you drink too much. Like when you're calling, you know, those kind of mm-hmm. conversations where it's like, were you drinking? If you were in college or high school or something, it's now it's like, Hey, you know, and I'm being like, no, don't worry about it. Like it was a long week and I'm good. I'm good. You know, just like that kind of like casualness or just like talking shit about my brother because he's a fucking idiot mm-hmm. or like, 
<laughs> my dad being annoying and being like, I can't believe you're still married to him, but you know what, girl, that's your thing, you know? And like, you <laughs> like just like kind of that kind of shit. Like, I just wish like I had more of that, but you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So, yeah. I want to talk about hating your mom. Those moments when you feel like you literally hated her and were so angry and that feeling, because I have a lot of regret from being really nasty to my yeah, mom. Yeah, same. Or same. just like, I don't want to, you know, you're sick. And so I don't want to stick around to watch you cry about my dad or when they got divorced. Or I don't want to help. I just had a lot of resentment, A, because she was sick. So I, and then we just get really angry. So I don't know, that hate, when that hate comes out. Obviously, I don't hate, right? Yeah. Like, even when my mom's yelling at me, she doesn't hate me. Right. She loves me so much. It's it's either the addiction or the pain in her body. That's what's mm-hmm. that's what's mad at me. Mm-hmm. That's what's causing her frustration. But it feels like she's hate. She hates me back. Yeah, like I felt like that. Like sometimes, and my sister's always like, "Girl," but like I feel like my mom didn't really like me. And my sister's like, "You will never really know how much she would talk about you and how much." But like I just felt like I can never. You know, she would just say these things, and it was, it's in the midst of, like, when I was in high school, like, I was going to raves, I was, like, doing drugs, and, and like, it was all low-key stuff that she was still, like, hiding from my dad, and she knew what the fuck mm-hmm. I was doing, but, like, because she was still kind of, like, covering up for me, because if, if she cover if she didn't cover for me, my dad found out, if, like, if I'm in trouble, then she's in trouble, then, like, the whole household, then it's, like, nobody wants that. But, you know, she would always just kind of say things about, like, you know, you can't really trust people or, like, her way of talking about, not race, but, like, you're black. Like, remember, you're black. And I was always like, stop saying that. Like, and really, she's like, bitch. Yeah. It you, sounds like she said that a lot. Yeah, you brought oh, that yeah. up twice. I you're mean, black, I'm you're African. That, and I think. And yet she was saying she didn't talk about race. Right. That's so interesting. Right. You say she didn't talk about race specifically, Mm-mm. but was reminding you every yeah. time you're black. And I and, think where I would get mad at her is because I feel like she was trying to like, she wanted me to be a certain way and she didn't like seeing me accepted outside of the household or like she thought I was gonna forget where I came from and like why is she talking like these are my real friends you know these are real people that get me and like everything she said she was probably right I mean she was but I just it's like it's how you say things and when Mm -hmm. when I was it's like how you said things and she just always made me feel like I could just never it was just like god I just can't just have fun it's like always I could Mm -hmm. just never just but is that a generational thing, right? That idea of how she was raised yeah. or a cultural thing? I think it was um, a little bit of both. I think a lot of it was cultural, you know? I don't think, you know, there's no handbook on raising a kid. And I don't think there's a really a handbook on raising kids in a different country that, you know, you want them to have all the opportunities that, that they can get here, but you don't maybe agree with all the things culturally for them to get there. They don't get it. And they're not going to, like, open up to other people to, to ask those things because it's none of their business. And, like, we don't talk about our business. So we just, I'm going to discipline and do it my way. It's okay not to like your parents. Did your parents ever hit you? My, uh, no. My dad, like, p- pushed me once. Oh, my goodness. Same. My dad, my mom, that was, my mom hit me. But my mom was always like, you know what your, your problem is? She was like, you're the only one that hasn't gotten hit by your dad. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when she said that? I'm sure I was like in high school or something. She was just like, 
Okay. Oh, yeah. My mom. Oh, yeah. I was always getting, girl. Spanked. Oh, man. Spankings. Slaps. Did you ever hit her back? What? Who? You. Hit who? Sorry. (laughs) I don't even know that. I don't even know that sentence. I don't even know what that means. Right. So that's enough. I can't. I was like scared to roll my eyes. Could you even? Yeah. Right. To roll your eyes. You couldn't. So like, no, I was scared you to cannot think. even imagine. I was scared to, like, one, I did not roll my eyes. I couldn't even suck my teeth. Like, oh, my. Girl, I, I was, I, I, to be in my room, if I was in trouble and I just, like, went to my room, you got to be careful how you walk out. Mm. Don't storm out. And, like, first of all, you can slam the door, but there's no lock on the door. So anybody can come in. So, like, if you want to set yourself up for that, you could. Nobody wants to deal with that. Just thinking about mean things about her, like I would be like scared that she'd come in and be like, "What did you? What were you thinking?" Oh no, girl, for real. Oh my, for real. And you would be like, "Keep, keep it neutral. Keep it." Oh neutral. my god, try no. not he, to. like what? No. no, no. How do you guys talk about that now as adults? You know, being hit, or do you do you talk about it? I guess looking back. And- yeah, I mean, I think we joke more about it. I think that's our way of coping with it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about it, but it's not anything where it's like, oh my goodness, I like woke up in the middle of the night because I had another flash member. Like, I know all the times mm-hmm. when I was, like, I knew when I was going to get beaten. I knew, which that's not good either, but, you know, that's that psychological warfare that parents do, or some parents do, or my parents did, mm-hmm. or my mom. Yeah, when you fucked up, man, you were getting an ass whooping. Hundred percent. I mean, of course, it didn't go through in like high school and college and stuff. That would be that would be weird, right? I never got. (sighs) My mom started throwing shoes when she got really drunk or sad. She would throw shoes, all my shoes, up the stairs at her condo. Like, just didn't she didn't want them down, you know, by me. Or she would come upstairs. She couldn't walk very well, but she would sometimes come upstairs and then throw them on my bed. Really, just weird. Oh, yeah. Like not. I mean, not at trying to hurt me, but it's like those are my shoes, and they're all down there. Because I don't want them up in my bedroom. and But those were later in life problems and sad when days were hard. As you approach 10 years, what are you thinking? What are you, what's going through your head? And it's a very hard time yeah. right now, right? There's all this collective mm-hmm. grief and, and t- triggers. And I keep thinking, I'm so happy both of them saw our first black president. You know, so coming on to the 10 years, I just think it's, I'm happy to start processing this. Yeah, just see what happens. It's just time. Like 10 years, it's like I'm going to, it's just a good time to start thinking about allowing myself to think those feelings, whatever that means about her, who she is, who am I, how much am I like her, how much am I not like her, this is that. I think she's with me. I think me and I'm, there's so many things like her that I'm like, oh my God. I have to just allow myself to be okay with the memories I have of her and not apologize if there's things I forgot. And then also, if I'm curious about things, I have to ask those questions. Yes. And also just know that I think I'm getting better at, as an adult, knowing that my mom was not perfect at all. I know that for a fact. But the older you get and you get to meet a lot of other people, 
and you kind of see who they are in their lives and how they are and like how I grew up. Mommy and daddy always say it's about their it's about your foundation because like they would always be like when you go outside they don't say hey look at Lucy they say look at Priscilla's daughter look at Justin's daughter so it, it's just like I'm realizing that with the good and the bad they did a pretty fucking tremendous job because like I don't know how the hell they took care of three kids all all education up to high school because they didn't financially help us out with college, which they couldn't. And it's like, that's why it's financial aid. And that's my cross to bear. That's my credit card debt is student loans. But I just don't know what, how they did it. I can't even imagine how they survived on like their yearly income, their salary. I don't know how Mm. those two people did it making under 40 K a year. Seriously, there were probably, we were low key. We were probably for sure poverty line. We were probably, I, I bet you a cumulative household was maybe 30,000. Maybe. I don't even know what that is. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I have to look at all that kind of shit and like, be like, look, girl, you had your mama for 30 years. Some bitches don't have their mama for 30 years. Some bitches have like their moms alive and some bitches and their moms are like, literally vindictive and like low-key intentionally do things to hurt each other it's like so you gotta just keep the memory that you got with your mama because like it it could be so much worse out there and you gotta just be grateful so I'm just gonna take it how it is you know it's sad but I had her for at least 30 years shit yeah you know what I mean yeah Yes, I do. I talk about it a lot. Yeah. Like and you could sit and cry and all that kind of shit. And like some of the stuff that I'm doing now, I'm kind of glad that she's not around because I think she'd be so wanting to be so careful and like, okay, we'll take your time, take your time. And it's like, nah, dude, that's why you have fucking kids, man. Like I'm going to do shit that you couldn't do. Like I'm going to just do stupid shit and ball out and do shit and spend frivolous money because I want to, because mm-hmm. you couldn't. And if I want to spend it on you or if I just want to like roll up, you know, if she was around, if I just wanted to roll up to Houston and be here for a weekend and just hang out right. with you, like, I can fucking do that and do what I want. And, like, it's hard sometimes when they're around. And mm. so it's scary because she's not around because I feel like I'm missing certain yeah. milestones of how to be a good woman, a black woman, a good black African woman, a good just American. Like, all of that that I think she could still help me with. It's like, you just got to know confidently it's there and wherever you are in your life, those, those, those enlightenments will happen when they need to happen. You know what I mean? They will yes, happen when they, they need do. to happen. So. And therapy. You're, I'm working on that. Like I'm trying to get back in the game, man. Yeah, These motherfuckers. I'm like, this is why you're getting discouraged <laughs> because they're like, then it takes like three days and she's like, Hey, what's your insurance thing? And I'm like, girl, it's PPO blue cross blue shield. Like, can we get this going? Let's, so let's go. It's, yes. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm working on it. So this, you're saying you're trying to get back into therapy. You're yeah. I haven't, that, I've never really done therapy. Oh, Oh, you like referenced it earlier. Like you were like, yeah, oh, like and- for a session or two in grad school. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know who you are. And like, you know what? I'm going to go work out. Like that's my therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And now therapy. it's like, it yeah. is Lucy, but also it's like, uh, <laughs> no, we've got to talk to people. So. I always end these calls saying, tell me your mom's name and how you're feeling about her in this moment, today, what is coming up for you? My mother's name 
is, my mother's full name is Priscilla Joan Coker. Um, When she married Justin Sandy, it became Sandy. So it's Priscilla Joan Coker Sandy. And how I feel about her is that this is what she does. I was very nervous. I was like worried I was going to cry and make it like all this thing. And now I realize that I feel so lucky to have, I mean, guess I'm going to cry now, (laughs) but I, I think I, um, it's so funny. She's, she's so annoying in a good way. She always knows, she just, she always has a way of making her presence known, of showing me who I am and being okay with that and actually knowing how much of an amazing person I am, sometimes more than I think so. And by talking about her, it makes me think of how, in a weird way, like, I'm really happy I got to know her. The little snapshot of the life that we had together as mother and daughter, which is, you know, when you think about it, it's really not that long of a time, but it was long enough to, like, I'm really glad that I'm proud to be her daughter. I'm really, really proud to be her daughter. And she just has a way of all these thoughts I have in my head of my guilt and how I'm sorry and stuff. She always has her own cheeky way of like revealing like, I don't know why you think about that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be worried about that. You should be proud of what you've done. You've done so much and you're going to be doing more. And this is part of how I raised you. Like, this was like, this is how it was going to be. You just didn't know it. I've always known it. She's like always known it. And it's, it's just so funny. She's always known it. There was a lot of things she could have done. I'm sure in a way we limited her journey coming to this country because she could have done a lot of other things, you know, and just, okay, they're here. I have kids here and they're doing their thing and just kind of really get like sucked into this, what she thinks this American dream was. And I think she stopped her American dream because the American dream was having kids here. And that was the American dream and expanding on that through us. So this is the dream. And I, I, need to be okay and appreciate and thank her for like, cause I know she probably limited herself, but it was just such, such a good reason. Be, I mean, she was a mom. She was not a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. She didn't bake cakes and, 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 and make cupcakes and things like that. Like, I think she went to like one school trip when I was a kid and I was like, okay, this is so weird. Don't, don't come back. But you know, she was, she really, she really was a mom. Like, I had a mom. Like, I actually had a mom. And that's, like, really cool to say. And, you know, I, I, I actually, I like my mom. <laughs> I, I do. I, like, you know, I, she, she, was, she was a really great mom. 
and it's not the traditional way you think, you know, but she was a really good mom and she instilled a lot of values in us that will just carry us on and she's with us. So that's what I think about Priscilla, Joan, Coker, Sandy, one of the baddest bitches in the game. You're the best. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. We almost went through without no tears. Damn uh, it. I, uh, you got so close and I was like, uh-uh. uh-uh. Damn. No, I was but so it's, proud. It, I was like, I'm going to Sometimes gonna be- it happens really early. Sometimes it happens in the middle. Uh, and sometimes. Damn it. Yeah. I was so good. I almost had it. But thank you for letting me go there. I needed it. Yeah. My mom also is probably like, bitch, please. Like, she no. was there. Yeah. She was like, you're not getting she's off like, this call you until you shed a little. You're going to shed a little for me. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, good God. What I've done for you? You're not going to shed you can't a tear? You can't shed a tear? A tear? <laughs> then what is all this for? Well, take care of your heart today. You're amazing. Love you, sis. Bye. One love. Appreciate you, queen. As always, you are invited to come to our website, which is mothersgravepod.com, to see some behind-the-scenes images of this episode and all of the episodes that are out to date. And you can also read more about the March of Dimes, which is an organization that was really important to Lucy's mom. The March of Dimes leads the fight for the health of all moms and babies. They advocate for policies that prioritize their health, and they support radical improvements to the care they receive. And I guess when Lucy asked her sister about an organization organization that her mom might really, really love. Her sister said, well, it turns out that there were pamphlets all over her mother's house from the March of Dimes. So go to our website to read more about that organization and to see pictures of Lucy and her mom. You can also come to Instagram for more content. Ugh, it's so gross just saying it. But come follow us on Instagram, which is Mother's Grave Podcast. I just wanted to thank Lucy again for coming to the table and being so real and generous and fun. And I'm just, I'm grateful to know you. So thank you for your time and for sharing your mom with us. And thank you to Lauren for your reintroduction to Lucy. I appreciate it. I also want to thank Susie Pond, one of the best editors in the game and one of my oldest friends with Redbird Media Group for editing and producing this podcast, Alice Anderson for her amazing sound mixing, Notoria Marketing and Design for the best website, and Meredith Montgomery for her gorgeous logo and individual episode designs, and Matt Chapman for his rad theme music. And special thanks to Jill Wolf, my therapist, Heather Bodie, Laura Nicole, Danny Brobman, Jonathan Bode, and all of my friends for your love and support, and all of you for listening and sharing and doing all the things you're supposed to do for podcasts. It really means a lot. When I started working on this episode a couple weeks ago, I wrote in the Word document for this podcast, I wrote in the notes section for this episode that in the closer, I'm going to talk about how I hated my mom sometimes and how I called her a bitch and the shame I feel around that. And I have been putting off doing this closer, well, for days. I'm actually late. I owed this to my editor about five hours ago. Yeah. I can't... (laughs) I can't stop thinking about how many times Lucy called her mom a bitch in that episode. But in the loving, this bitch kind of way, which I use that turn of phrase a lot. I reference my friends like, this bitch, get a load of this bitch. And it's said with so much love. And if you could have seen Lucy through most of that conversation, she's smiling. And there's so much joy and so much love. And even though clearly we talked about hating our moms sometimes and and getting reprimanded or being frustrated with them. 
there's still this love, this little tossle of like, oh, moms will be moms and generational things and cultural differences abound. But when I was in my 30s, not in high school, in my 30s, I looked right at my really, really sick, addicted, neuropathy-riddled, divorced mom, and I said, why are you being such a bitch? I told my mom multiple times, I don't want to come here ever again. I wouldn't return her phone calls. Sometimes we would start out really well. You know those visits with people that you have complicated relationships with and you show up and you for like the first 30 minutes it's going well and you're like, it's going to be different this time. It's going to be different. I can feel it. Everybody's on their best behavior. And then within a second of saying something wrong, you've spiraled to this. I'm now like 15 years old again and everything's being rehashed. Yeah. And in those moments, just the utter anger I had at my mom for not getting help the sadness of what was happening to her body and her, her, her mind and the sadness of what was happening to my life. Their divorce was affecting me. My mom's addiction was affecting me. And I hated her. I hated her for that. Sometimes I feel like I'm putting this thing out in the world and I'm releasing these episodes and I'm like, my mom was really sick and had problems, but I was really great. I was perfect. I'm the good one. I can talk calmly about all of this. <laughs> and the truth is I was not a perfect child to my mom sometimes. And I have so much shame from that. I feel really badly for calling her that because I love that bitch <laughs> I love that bitch talk to you next time